All right, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Two Pad Stack Podcast. Um, my name's Ace. I uh, the, am the host of the podcast, and uh, definitely appreciate all you guys jumping in for our first episode. Um, so, just to give you some background on on the pod itself, you know what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about Boston Bruins hockey news and notes around the NHL, and maybe some pop culture things or, or sports stuff that's going to be dropped in that's relevant to to what i've seen kind of around me from time to time um to start the pod we're going to have a rotating you know uh bench of guests that are going to be uh co-hosting with me um i'm very happy to say that for this inaugural episode joining me today is chris davis how's it going chris it's going great buddy thanks for having me um super excited about this pod man you know Obviously, with your knowledge of the game and everything, I think it's going to be a really awesome show. Yeah, I appreciate that, Chris. Um, so give us a little bit of background on, on some of the stuff that you do here around the, uh, the around the media side of things and, you know, what you like to do for uh, for your pods and such. Yeah, so right now I run a podcast called Drop the Mid Hockey with uh, Mikey Sullivan, um, who's also part of Something Brewing on the BNG Network. Mm-hmm. Um also with that, I work for Hockey Night in New England covering um, the Bruins NCAA Division One and Division One High School um, as a content creator. So I, you know, hopefully this season I'll be going around to all the college games, a bunch of Bruins games, and then um, going to see the kids in high school. Um, so, yeah, man, honestly, just as far as our podcast goes, it's, it's a little similar. Like, it's all hockey. Um, it's not just Bruins. Um, we have a wide variety of topics. Um, we've had a couple awesome guests so far, Billy Jaffe and, um, Zach Benson, who the 13th overall pick this year. Um, so yeah, man, things are going good. Um, like I said, these pods that we got going are, are awesome. So I'm, like I said, I'm excited for your show as well. Yeah, dude, I definitely appreciate that. And if I, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken that, uh, New England hockey role, that's, that's a new opportunity for you, right? It is, yeah. So as of Friday, um, nice. when I actually accepted the, you know, we got we got everything done, and yeah, it's it's really exciting. Um, so I can't wait That's for this awesome. to get going. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just excited to get into the season, man. Yeah. I'm I'm ready for hockey to come back. I think we all are at this point. Yeah, it's definitely the uh, the dog days of summer right now. But right. Um, but yeah, congrats. I guess it's the the summer on new beginnings. We've got. The brand new episode of uh, Two Pad Stack. Chris is on to a new role and opportunity there. So um, it's exciting times here in New England. So, um, well, we'll go ahead and kind of pivot here a little bit. Um, wanted to kind of just touch base with you guys and give a little bit of background about, you know, why why I'm such a big Bruins fan and why I've decided to kind of take the plunge and, and invest a lot of my time and, and effort into telling a story and and sharing some some information about the Bruins to everybody. Um, I'm, I'm 32 years old. I live in uh, New Hampshire. I've, I've been raised in New England. Um, I actually started playing hockey when I was 12 years old. I, uh, I was a soccer goalie to start with from age eight to 12. I was not a very good soccer goalie. And I went to a hockey, uh, rink in Rochester, New Hampshire, where I live now. And I saw some kids playing hockey and I saw that little guy in the net. And I said to myself, look at that kid in the net. He's got these big pads on. The net is so small. He barely has to move. 
you know, that's a looks, it looks a lot easier than soccer goalie. I can tell you that. So come to find out one of the, uh, the teams for youth hockey was, um, uh, like PWC level at the time they needed a goalie and they heard that I was interested. They gave me a set of pads to borrow and I ended up jumping out there. I've never skated before in my life, not since I was like six, but I still put the pads on and I got out there. And the very first time I got in that crease, then I was hooked. The, uh, the sense of um, pressure that you have on you, um, it's unique. And, and I think unlike anything else in sports, unless you're a goaltender in another sport like lacrosse or soccer, the fact that you know, you're know you part of the team, but you're also very much isolated and you're kind of in your own little world that you're almost competing by yourself. Um, and knowing that you know your gameplay can either make or break the result of the entire game, um, it's a lot of fun. Um, so from there, I started playing competitively. My very first team I ever played on was called the Summersworth Berwick Black Bears. And our jerseys were literally a direct ripoff of the Pooh Bear jerseys. So that started something for me. And I wanted to consume any, everything hockey that I possibly could at that point. So little 13-year-old Ace was running around with his goalie mask on 90% of the time. Watching, you know, Joe Thornton and Sergei Samsonov on the TV. Um I would play three or four nights a week in net and try to watch every single Boston Bruins game I could at the time. And uh, it's just, it's been that kind of passion for me ever since I was a kid. And I still have that passion for goaltending. I haven't played in a few years because I ended up having some health issues, but um, you know, I, I, the Boston Bruins have always been in my DNA and, and that's a big reason why we're, uh, we're, we're kind of where we're at right now with the two pad stack. So on that note there, that, that that's kind of about me and why, why I wanted to start the two pad stack podcast. Chris, did you ever play hockey? Yeah. I'm, so man, I'm a big hockey guy. Um, I had skates on when I was two. That's when I, when I started my old man, he, uh, he played on the U S national team. Um, nice. So he, you know, he was a big hockey guy. He was, you know, big in the town that we lived in. Um, so yeah, as soon as I hit two years old, man, I was in skates just every, every day we had, you know, we were building rinks in our backyard, uh, during the winter and I was out there every friggin' day. And, um, so I played all the way up and, um, you know, through high school. Um, I went to high school at St. Bernard's, which is in, uh, Fitchburg, Mass, um, Catholic school. And then from there I transferred to, uh, Oakmont, which is a regional high school. Um, and then after that, I joined the military. Um, I did eight years in the air force, didn't really play. I was mostly stationed like down South. So not a whole lot of hockey going on there, yeah. but you know, I still always followed the Bruins and, um, just, just didn't play. Um, and then 2020 rolled around. Um, I got medically retired from the air force, um, had some health issues as well. Um, and just found myself in a really, really low place, man. Like I, I there was nothing that would make me happy. And, and I kind of, I kind of took the situation I was in and kind of tried to go back to my roots. And honestly, hockey is the thing that, that kind of brought me back to where, um, where I had a, a sense of happiness, um, just getting outside, stick handling, shooting, just, you know, the simple things, man, playing NHL, like just 
being a kid again. You know what I mean? Like, like taking you back where, where I last had that like pure happiness. Um, and then since yeah. then, man, just started the pod, um, started doing some writing, just going and watching all, all different types of hockey, man. High school. I just love the game so much. I love being in the rink. Um, it's just something that brings me joy every time I'm around the game. So on that note, you know, when you talk about bringing you joy, can can you share with me maybe some of the moments that come out to you, you know, regarding the Bruins that really kind of spark that that passion that you still have today? Yeah. So are you talking like specific moments? Just in general, anything that comes to mind. I mean, I'll tell you first thing, like the thing that really resonates with me and when I felt kind of like I was at my peak as a fan was, I forget the exact year, maybe it was 08 or 07. It was that series against the Habs where we were like the seventh or eighth seed. And it was obviously post jumbo Joe Thornton trade. Uh, I think that happened in like 05 or whatever. But, uh, you know, when we were in that series and we ended up winning game six to force game seven, that Marco Sturm goal that was late in the third and jack had that epic call this building is vibrating you know i was um i was in the barn for that game and it was it was an electric factory dude like it was it was a really amazing time and you know i've been to a bunch of games since then but i still don't think like if i think back on all the things that i've seen and all the things i've done related to the bruins um i don't think just because i think the stage where i was in my life at the time I think that that definitely still ranks probably number one. And in hindsight, I mean, it didn't really mean anything, right? I mean, because we still went to the next game and lost in game seven anyway. But I felt like that was the first moment, too, where the franchise kind of turned a corner and they went from that middling kind of garbage team to, you know, okay, these guys can actually be something special here. And yeah. and I feel like it was because Bergeron is part of that club. Krejci is part of that club. Um you know, it was kind of like that that beginning of the new new rise, if you will, um, that the current team is kind of on the very, very end of now, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, and now that, you know, when you say it like that, there there is a game that, that really resonates with me and pops into my head now immediately. And it's it was the COVID year where fans were allowed back in the in the stadium. Um, like I said, going through the the medical retirement and everything i just mm-hmm. was in a low place and i wanted to go to that game and be completely present there you know and i i didn't i wasn't drunk i wasn't i wanted to be completely present and be in that moment because of how much i took not being able to go see hockey for granted um and david uh pasternak freaking scored a hat trick man that building again erupted it was so freaking loud and it just again brought me pure happiness it was such an amazing game such an amazing you know moment obviously with fans getting back in the building it was unreal i think yeah love it yeah yeah i I think i was at that game as well and it was like you never know how much you take for granted until the world kind of flips upside down you know what i mean when covid happened and you get back into the garden you know i felt like i was almost home and that life was back to normal. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And you know what? Bringing that up, it's – I was hugging random people. It was like yeah. people I didn't know. You know, people are hugging. People are like – you know, it, it was just so – it was such an amazing feeling, man. Like, obviously being um, quarantined for 
God knows how long, can't even remember. And just kind of having that human aspect, the human interaction again. It was an amazing feeling and it was unlike anything I had felt. So it it kind of reminds me, I was at the first game post Boston bombings at the garden as well. And that that's probably one of the most raw emotional games I've ever been to. And I know it sounds silly when there's loss of life and everything that you would say that, you know, a sporting event would mean so much to a community. But I mean, let's look at it this way. I mean, New England itself, we're not like other parts in the country where we really, you know, gravitate toward NCAA and college sports and high school sports. I'm not saying that we don't pay attention to those, but it's not as big down or uh, up here is what it is in basically every other region of the country you know in 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 boston and in new england we really gravitate towards our professional franchises and the boston bruins i that game was like the second major sporting event after the bombing other than the red Sox. and when renee rancourt came out there and he was getting ready to you know do his thing he starts singing the anthem and he just stopped and the entire garden just sang the national anthem in unison. It was, um, it, it was, it was amazing. I went back and I watched the uh, the recording of the game afterwards, and the fact that Renee just moved the mic away from his mouth, and the TV just looked over the entire crowd, and just the raw emotion of that. That that was a really fun game to be to be at as well. I get chills every single time I see any clips of that. Um, obviously, every anniversary they bring that clip up, and it, it just gives me friggin' chills, man. It's like, um, it's like one of the only times you see the whole community coming together, and so you love to see that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it's the centennial season this year. Everybody's kind of touching on that a little bit. Um, Anything in particular that you're excited about this year regarding the Centennial or anything that you're expecting to see out of the team? Yeah, you know, honestly, I a, a lot of the things that I'm reading are not very high hopes for this team. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I think this team is in a good spot. Um, they've got mainly their core locked up. I know a lot is, is kind of riding on Bergeron right now, his return. That's going to happen. It's so great when you have to wait for a 38-year-old to give right. his yes you know, no. <laughs> we, you know, we, and we are fortunate that we have our entire, pretty much our entire core locked up. And that's a, that's a really good, I mean, like, it is sad that we have to wait on a 38-year-old. Um, I actually was talking to Mikey um, at the, on the last Drop the Mitts podcast. I have the Bruins as the fourth best team in the Atlantic. Um. I think Tampa, Toronto, Buffalo are a little bit better than them, at least on paper right now. Um, but I think the Bruins can make a run, man. Like even even without Bergeron, I think they have a a solid enough decor, and then obviously they have that unreal Jennings tandem um, of Allmark and Swayman. So I, you know, I I wouldn't completely interesting. I wouldn't completely rule them out um, to make you know make some noise in that division. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like at this point, man, like after seeing the team dominate and just cruise into the playoffs, 
I don't even want to be that good anymore. Like, I just want them to punch their ticket, and then let's see what happens. I mean, you saw it from the Florida Panthers. They almost got the whole fucking thing done. But, uh, I mean, I think I, – I, I, I don't see the Leafs as good this year as they were last year. Um, I believe that their offense is going to be worse. They don't have bunting. I don't believe that they're going to be able to fit Willie Nylander underneath the cap. I think they're probably going to have to trade Nylander. And, you know, I honestly think that Nylander is a big part of that club. Um, you know, he kind of, for an $11 million player, whatever he is right now, he's, he's a high up there salary eight or something. You know, he kind of uh, flirts underneath the surface there behind Austin Matthews, behind Mitch Marner. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to keep him and they're going to have to trade him, which they're obviously going to get a haul for. I mean, a player like that, even if there's only one year left on the, the contract they're probably going to get potentially even multiple first round picks for him especially would, if a contract extensions involved i would agree are there any teams that you have in mind that might be good fit for him um that would be willing to kind of give up those picks because like you said i i truly do believe it's going to take multiple first round picks if you want Nylander. um and i think that's what the leafs are going to be looking for mm. um are there any teams that you kind of have in mind that potentially could be a good fit I mean, what's a team that's a contender that always seems to be lacking that scoring punch? Carolina. Exactly. Carolina. I mean, you saw them take a flyer on Max Pacioretty. Obviously, shitty things happen with his ACL times too. But, um, you know, they're always looking for a big splash offensively, and they really need a finisher. I mean, they only really have – like, Ajo is not even a sniper. He's more of like a a playmaker with a scoring touch. Like, who who else? Svechnikov? I, I don't think Svenchikov has, has hit the surface yet. Like, obviously, he was injury-ridden last year. Mm-hmm. I think he has the potential to be a 40, 40 you know, 30, 40-goal scorer yeah. consistently. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, I, I think he's about it on that team. I could see Carolina saying, all right, we've got this team that's already proven that they can be playoff warriors. We've made it to the second round. Well, let's get it, that extra bit of scoring punch to try to get us into the Eastern Conference final, into the cup final, let's go get a Willie Nylander. Now, whether William Nylander would want to play in Carolina is another story entirely. I mean, we've heard stories about Carmanos and the way that he runs his team. Um, That is still Carmanos that's the owner down there, right? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's always been notoriously a penny pincher. Um, I mean, that Ajo rumored extension has been – supposedly coming for weeks at this point and they hasn't come across the line. I assume that there's some sort of uh, budgetary constraints that are coming into play there. Yeah, but um, I, I, I actually want to throw something at you here, Chris, you know, let me ask you, do you know how much cap space the Bruins have next summer? Is it 31 million? Some, yeah. It's, it's right around 30 something million dollars. Yeah. And uh, do you know who William Nylander's best friend was before being drafted? Let me guess. DeBrusque. Close. It's the Noodle Man. No, no shit. So they played um, junior. I don't. Want, I don't think the term's actually junior, but they played in the Swedish league together over in Sweden before they were drafted, and they were like best buddies. They played tennis together in the off season. They're super close. Um, I don't know about you, but if we could reunite Willie Nylander next summer with David Pasternak, we have the cap space for it. 
I would not. I mean, at that point next year, you have to imagine Bergeron's going to be gone. I can't imagine after the – Yeah, I, I'm not going to call it a circus this year because you know what? He deserves to have all the time that he needs to make that decision. Agreed. I can't see him going through it another summer. Um, I think that solidifies your top two right wings. Um, Would it surprise you if you heard that Bergeron was signing a two-year deal this offseason instead of one? It would. I think it would because, I, listen, I think he's still a, a very effective player. And mm-hmm. I think I think every single year he puts his body on the line, every single season, every playoffs, I can't see him doing another year. I think one the, the one season is it. If he does come back, I can't see him doing two years. I, ju- I just can't. I'd be willing to bet money right now that Patrice Bergeron would be back for this season. I, I, I've said it even since before the season ended, even before the playoffs started. You know, I know that we need to be respectful of Patrice. He's given so much of this franchise. He's basically Mr. Bruin at this point. Yeah. But, I mean, he's the embodiment of what this franchise is at this point, right? And I think that he recognizes how much this upcoming season means to the franchise itself with the centennial. And I think that the front office has asked him very politely, Hey man, I understand that you're really needing to take a look at what's going on in your personal life and do what's right with you and your family. But we would really, really appreciate it if you came back this year and, you know, we're our ambassador as we are, you know, I'm not lying to you. Like the Bruins are going to be the marquee franchise this year. The NHL is going to put the spotlight on this club, just like they did for the Habs like eight or nine years ago when they went through their like 13,000 jerseys in their centennial yeah. season, including yeah. those awful barber pole ones, those uh, no. garbage ones. You remember that? Putrid. Holy smokes. Freaking putrid. Um, yeah, but so so with that, I, I honestly do think Patrice will be back. I think that they're just giving him the respect that he deserves by letting it announce on his terms. Um, but yeah, I I would say a ninety seven percent chance Patrice is back. And now, if he if he does come back, do you mm-hmm. see him playing the same role that he's played in past years as far as like penalty kill, just minutes wise? Do you think he's going to take a, a I mean drop in minutes? Like, I don't I don't think so. I think that Patrice is too competitive of a guy to accept like a lesser role. And the fact of the matter is, you know, when you have players, remember when we brought in like Dominic Moore mm-hmm. and we brought in and and you know some of those veteran players that were on the twilight of their career, you know, they were really utility players at that point in their careers. You know, Dominic Moore was brought in to be a fourth line faceoff guy, right? Patrice Bergeron is still elite, you know. All the advanced stats and the advanced metrics are telling you that last season was his best season he's had ever. And that generally doesn't happen for 36 turning 37-year-old players. I mean, Patrice is is a unicorn. And he's. I think he's going to come back. He's going to be a top-line caliber player. And I think he's going to play that way accordingly. I think Jim Montgomery and the front office have too much respect for him otherwise. Now... My thought is if he's not there for the beginning of the regular season, maybe he talks to the front office and says, hey, you know, I am coming back, but we just had a baby. I still want a little extra time. I'll be involved. I'll be at Warrior, but I'm not going to go under contract right away. Let's chat in late November and maybe get some pen to paper then. Um, 
that'll reduce the the runway for him, give him, you know, a little less wear and tear in the regular season. Because I honestly don't think Patrice knows how to turn it off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I, I he has that competitive. I mean, obviously we've seen him for so long in this organization that he yeah he doesn't have that off switch. I mean, he's full gas pedal. You know, pedal to the metal all the time. He's he's super competitive guy. Now, um, now I would ask you this: if with the theory of him maybe potentially coming back later in the year, mm-hmm. say they were just like a complete dumpster fire of a team. <laughs> Do you think that changes anything? Do you think he maybe kind of just is like, ah, maybe not come back if they're just like completely out of it? I think so. I mean, like I said, he he embodies what is the Boston Bruins. And I think it would hurt him to see the Bruins floundering when he knows he could step in there and contribute and help. So, I mean, I mean, that's also what they were saying about us last year, though. I mean, everybody, all the yeah. pundits were like, oh, okay, Boston's old. This uh, this team's ripe to take a step back. Detroit's going to knock them out. Ottawa's going to knock them out. Buffalo's going to knock them out. Boston's not going to make the postseason. And and I'm not comparing this roster. There's a lot of turnover here. I'm not comparing this this roster that we have coming up to last year's. But, I mean, also take a step back and realize that we had Anton Strahlman on the lineup last year. <laughs> I mean – this team with with the core that we have, as you had kind of alluded to earlier, when you have, you know, Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, you have David Pasternak, another year of Brad Marchand, Jeremy Swayman, Linus Olmark, all these guys in the the active roster, the team's too good to be bad. You know, even if even if we have to go out and get, I don't know, hypothetically a Kevin Shattenkirk or a James Van Riemsdyk, if you will, um, they're still going to be a damn good team. Um, yeah, you know, and- I'll caveat off that. You know, this last year was a damn good team before they brought in Tyler Bertuzzi, before they brought in Dimitri Orlov. You know, they were they were a freaking good team. They were they were the best in the league before they brought those guys in. You know, so people forget that. And I think they just kind of assume that this team is going to just kind of lay down and quit. And I, I just can't see that, man. Like, they're just too fucking good. Like, yeah. having that core locked up, Pasta, Lindholm, as you mentioned, McAvoy, Carlo. Carlo, yep. Yep. It's And then two solid starting goalies. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just can't. I see, still I... have them as the fourth best team in the division. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that the Atlantic is the best division in hockey. Yeah, like it's an absolutely loaded division, it, and I don't think it's—I don't think any other division is close, in my opinion. Even the even the Metro, I would say, maybe is closer with New Jersey and uh, the Rangers. And Carolina, I, I still would probably take the Atlantic. Um, oh, absolutely, the best division in hockey. I agree. Um, so let's talk about those and i'm sure you've already hashed these out on your pod so apologies if i'm making you recite your own no, opinions again um <laughs> let, let's dive into this free agency class i mean the bruins had a lot of slots that they had to fill i mean you had a bunch of players that were seeking new homes you had you know connor clifton cliffy hockey's heading off to buffalo tomas noshek signs a deal with the new jersey devils um, a lot of players had had now Tyler Bertuzzi. Unfortunately, even after we move out, Taylor Hall doesn't extend with the Bruins. Um, what are your thoughts on on some of the players that they brought back in to fill in some of those gaps on these cheap deals? 
anything that really stands out to you that you're, I don't want to say excited about, because you can't only get so excited about one or $2 million deals with these players that they brought in, but anything that kind of jumps out to you, Chris? Yeah. You know, I, I actually like what they did this off season. Um, I don't think there's any correlation between them moving Taylor Hall and not signing Tyler Bertuzzi, if that makes sense. At the end of the day, you have to fill a roster. You know what I mean? And by moving on from Taylor Hall, you were able to bring in three players. Did it surprise you that they they weren't able to get any draft capital in return? It did, but I, I feel like the players that they got in return have better NHL potential, if that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. what they got in return was a, a really good return. And like I said, at the end of the day, yeah, you can keep one player, but you have to fill an entire roster. They were mm-hmm. able to bring in four players just by moving Hall and Felino. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I liked all the moves they made. I, I liked Kevin Shattenkirk. We know Boosie brought that up before, you know, before yeah. signed him in and, as soon as I heard him say, I, I thought about it. I'm like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, especially if you have a, if hypothetically, if you're going to put a Zaboro right in the lineup, why wouldn't Ugh. you? I mean, who, who, who would you put in, on that third line D? I don't know, man. I mean, Connor Clifton's gone on the right side. So there's the void right there for Kevin Shattenkirk to step right. in. But, you know, I, Zaboro looked really good at the beginning of not last season, but the season before, I think. And then it was actually at a game that I was at in Nashville that he had that ACL tear that happened. And then he was shelved for the entire season. And then he came back into the the next training camp. Yeah, Jim Montgomery's first season, Jimmy was like, oh, yeah, Jacob Zaboro looks like the best skater in camp right now. And he lost his job in the starting lineup in like the first week of the regular season. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I hear you. And I, I, I think it's a waste not to get Zaboro into the lineup. And it really, you know, you need a former first round pick. And if he didn't play with us, I feel like he'd get regular opportunity elsewhere. But how many times are we going to give this kid a chance and it's not going to work out? You know what I mean? Um, at some point you have to stop kicking the can down the road. Yeah. I, I think that's realistically what's, gonna start out at least at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. year i think they're gonna slide him in there um my opinion which take it for what it is i would love to see mason lowry get a chance i i I just i i would love it i think putting him in an nhl situation is just gonna help his development i think um even if you were to pair him with a with a shattenkirk or or if you decided you wanted to kind of even out the d you know the d pairs and put him with a guy like Carlo, who's a stay-at-home defenseman. You you allow Lowry to kind of play his game and um, you know move the puck up the ice and and be that offensive uh, offensive force that he is. And like I said, yeah, are we going to keep giving Zaboral a chance? Like, at what point are we just going to say it it doesn't work? Like, yeah, I mean, I I just don't see where Zaboral makes it. I mean, unless they continue to, if they have to, I I still think there's a potential that they have to move a defenseman to clear cap especially with the Frederick uh, RFA and the Swayman RFA arbitration dates looming. Um, I just pulled up cap friendly. The Bruins have 5.4 million in projected cap space right now. Um, I mean, Swayman probably gets something close to what Samsonov just got in his hearing, um, which was, I think, like 3.1 million on a one-year deal. 
Um, that happens. Suddenly we have $2.3 million. And will Trent Frederick have his hearing that falls beneath that? Maybe, just barely. Um, they may end up having to move a defenseman. But if we look at the left side D under contract right now, I mean, we have Hampus Lindholm. He's not going anywhere, nor would we want him to go anywhere. We have Matt Grizzlick, who the GM, Don Sweeney, just came out and said, I have all the faith in the world in Matt Grizzlick. Whether that's necessarily reciprocated in trade calls across the league, everybody has a price, I don't know. But it would look awfully shitty on Don Sweeney to trade a guy that he just came out and said, I'm supporting in the media. And then you have Derek Forbort. And I don't know with how good Derek Forbort is on the PK. I know he's not great otherwise. I still don't think Zaboral brings enough upside to warrant bumping forward out of the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like you said, Forbert's main strength is, is the PK. That's where we love him, and that's where he excels. I just look at a pair of Forbert and Shattenkirk, and, and I see a pair that very likely would get exposed, I think. Um, that third pair scares me. Um like you said, I don't know if I'd rather Zaboral in that in that spot. So so maybe what about Shattenkirk as a seven D man and Zaboral on the right side for the th- third pair? So it's forward. An, I Zaboral. mean that's definitely an option. I don't know how comfortable Zaboral is playing on his off. I know he's a lefty, I believe. Um, I don't know. He's how... listed as a lefty and right D on cap friendly. I don't know how many. I haven't seen him play much right D. I could see them but... going through a rotation of those three. Um. Again, I going back to it, man. I I just would like to see Lowry get some ice time. Yeah. Um. You know, it doesn't have to be every every night. Um. I look. I, I think back to like Charlie McAvoy when he came in, and obviously I know they're not the same. You know, uh, Lowry was a second round pick, and and Chucky was, you know, he was top de- top defenseman in college hockey at that time. So I know it's a little bit different, but I personally would like I said I'd like to see him get some Lowry get some ice time in the pros and help him develop and get that game speed under his belt. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Lorai does in main camp here in about a month or so. Um, everybody that I trust that actually was paying attention to dev camp said he was the best player on the ice. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought it was pretty intriguing. You know, if you look back into Lorai and the fact that he started playing hockey, I think pretty late and he started off as a forward and then they were like, all right, kid, you're pretty, pretty friggin' good. You're like one of the best skaters on the team. Let's go ahead and slide you back on defense. And he's had to kind of like bring his game and elevate his game at every stage. He's been kind of like a little bit of a late bloomer. And, and he has successfully raised his game and excelled at every level he's ever played at. I'm really interested to see if this new challenge that is being presented to him, he's able to do that same thing once again. Yeah, you know, one thing I really liked, um, I was at develop, you know, development camp that whole week. Okay, great. And um, one thing that really stood out to me was how much Adam McQuaid was working with Low Rye. Um, you know, obviously the first four days there wasn't much competition as far as like three on three, four on four. Yeah. It was a lot of edge work. It was a lot of two on ones, three on twos. Um, but Adam McQuaid was working a lot with him. You know, he would stay on the ice afterwards and kind of talk to him. Um, again, I know, I know you can't really 
solely judge low you know, and say, oh yeah, he's going to be a starter because it was just dev camp. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, he was head, head over, you know, head and shoulders above, above his peers. He could break out the puck at will during the scrimmage, you know, he coast to coast pretty much every time that he was out there. The only other players that I think were close were Lysel and Patois as far as, you know, dominance and de- uh, development camp. That yeah, I heard. I heard likewise similar things. I heard actually, Lysel is probably the third or fourth best player, but I mean that that's probably mitigated by the fact that he's still dealing with those concussion symptoms. Yeah. Um, I also heard a couple of people that are far more qualified than I to to provide scouting intel. That Lysel seems a little more willing to do tricksy little creative things that would never actually work in a hockey game uh, in a practice setting. You know. There's a. I don't want to say it was his fault that he got concussed in that game for Providence. That was a dirty hit by the the Wolfpack player. I forget the name. I don't really think he's worth name dropping personally. But um, and he was like know, a, he was a journeyman. I think. Yeah. That's his like name. AHL piece of garbage. I can't even say that because they're far better than I ever was, even at that level. But um, you know, I'm wondering if if maybe he just can't quite put it together at the NHL level. Just the physicality isn't, isn't going to be conducive to his game really translating. Now I I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I I really love him. I'm Swedish myself, not, not like first generation, but I have Swedish heritage. So I'm a huge fan of Swedish players. I actually, the very first day that Hampus Lindholm signed that extension, I ordered a uh, Hampus Lindholm sweater from cool hockey so I've got an OA number 27. I was the only one in the garden wearing a Hampus Lindholm jersey <laughs> when he was traded here. Dude, um, I, I same thing. I so I bought a uh, I bought a uh, you know a Hampus Lindholm jersey as soon as it was the home home one. It's actually right here. Hell yeah. And uh man, we went to the garden. It was one of the games I they got fucking smacked, dude. And uh some idiot freaking smacked me in the back and goes, nice Dougie Hamilton jersey. I'm like, okay, dude, like, fuck off. So that was my experience with my uh, Hampus Lindholm jersey. Okay, you brought up Dougie Hamilton. I fucking hate Dougie Hamilton. I, I really can't. cannot stand Dougie Hamilton. I, Everybody's he, like, go ahead. Is he a good defenseman? Yes, obviously. It's just, I, I don't know what it is, man. I... He he gets exposed a lot as well. Like he is a good defenseman. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that away from him. But there are there are tons of times where I'm watching that team, and I all I just see him exposed, exposed, exposed. But then he'll make a really good play. So it's like the he he kind of reminds me of like an EASHL defenseman. Like yeah. he's always skating up the ice, trying to make an offensive play happen. And he can make shit happen offensively. There's a reason why I think he's led the D-men in scoring a couple times in his career. Yeah. I think when he was with Carolina, he did that once. But, you know, he's always leaving an odd man rush going the other way. Every other shift, I feel like, as well. Right. Well, that's um, just, yeah, you turn the puck over, you got an odd man rush going the other way, and you're fucking over your teammates. So. Yeah, yeah, and that really pisses off the goaltender. I'm sure it yeah. pisses off the coaches pisses off the rest of the team because now you're down a goal. Um, there's a reason why Dougie Hamilton's on like his sixth fucking team at this point. You know what I mean? 
I mean, the thing that really ticked me off, I mean, obviously, it may come as a surprise. I'm a big Bruins fan. When we drafted Dougie Hamilton in the first round, I was like, there we go. Heir apparent to Zidane Chara. He makes the big club. He's playing next to Big Z. I'm telling everybody, oh, you know, Big Z's teaching him how to be a true pro, you know, teaching him the Bruin way, blah, 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 blah. And then he, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I heard rumors that he was like in the RFA negotiations and he was like, the only way I'm going to sign here is if you sign my brother, brother, Freddie Hamilton. And the GMs were like, "Mm, this guy's like barely an AHL player. We don't want to sign him. And that's when he kind of was like, "Mm, I am grouchy. I am not going to sign with the Bruins. Yeah. You know, there, there have been those rumors about the attitude issues. um, And, I, I heard something very similar um, about the RFA process with him. Um, and that's why it didn't pan out here. Um, you got to wonder, man, you look at, you look at the sole fact of how many teams he's been on. There's something to say for that. You know what I mean? Like that there, it's at least something you have to consider that you've been on that many teams and you're still fairly young. I'd say, um, I think it's definitely at least, considering that there's something there with his attitude for sure. Well, I mean, and I also heard he was just a little, I don't want to say odd, but he didn't quite click socially with basically any team. You know, you've got the the jokes about, oh, you know, the museums and stuff like that, because he would rather go to a museum than go to a bar with the rest of the dudes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, ever since he pulled that one and, and, if, I can't remember the exact trade return, but if I remember right, when we dealt him, it was not favorable. Yeah, let me look that up. I, I want to make sure that I have the right uh, the trade. But from what I remember, I, I remember we a lot of the Bruins fans had thought that we could have gotten way more for him. Um, I'm curious. Now, let's see. Flames acquire Hamilton for draft picks. So... Calgary acquired defenseman Dougie Hamilton from the Bruins in a trade for their first round pick. Number, f- oh god, this is the this is the Russell no. draft. All right. <laughs> I don't want to talk. Never mind. We're changing subjects. Yep. I don't want to go into this. <laughs> oh man, that that's why I fucking I, every every time the draft rolls around, I'm so excited. You know, because obviously so much happens, and then they have to bring up that one graphic of all the players that the Bruins could have had after. I'm like, okay, we get it. Like we're like we get it. Trust me. Oh shit, the Bruins can draft Barzal here. Oh shit, the Bruins can draft um, Brock Besser. Yeah, Tom Shabbat. I'm like, I get it. Kyle Connor. I'm like, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> stop it. I don't give a shit. We've all moved on. And, and I and and I know everybody that's listening to this probably already knows, but I mean, the bees were not trying to make those three picks. They were working very hard to try to move up and get Hannafin um, instead of making those three selections. Yeah. But, he's, you know, he's a defenseman. I, I still would love to see in a, in the spoke be um, there. There's a lot of rumors still tying yeah. us to him. Yeah, honestly. And I, it, there's, it seems like there it's been rumored for years since the draft. Um, I mean, obviously he's, you know, he went to BC, he's, you know, local kid. And I mean, you know how Sween dog loves his, uh, his mass boys. So, Oh Yeah. Well, something that's interesting is that I feel like there are a lot of players that are just drawn and and have connections to the Bruins. 
And there's rumors that the Bruins are interested in them for a long, long time. And then eventually it just ends up going down. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I know for a while there, the Taylor Hall had come out and said, I would love to be a Boston Bruin, not officially, not like in a, a, a traditional like media outlet because he had too much respect for, you know, the teams and organizations that he was affiliated with. Right. But, you know, I had heard rumors that he was very interested in being in Boston and eventually, you know, lo and behold, it ended up happening. I'm going to throw yeah. a name at you here that I had heard that he would love to be a Bruin one day and it's uh freshly minted Stanley cup champion, Jack Eichel. Man, I, I couldn't imagine. Like I said, that trade with Buffalo, that was highway robbery for Vegas. In my opinion, I, I like I said, he was a, he was a solidified man. He he would have been the number one pick if it weren't for McDavid, and it wouldn't have been close. Absolutely, um, you know. And, and like I said, he he got a lot of he got a bad rap. I think with that whole situation in Buffalo with the you know with his surgery and the kid can play, man. He and he's always been that way. He's dominated at every level he's been at. Um, you know, going back to his junior Bruins days and his BU days, like the kid is just an unbelievable talent. Um, I don't, I wouldn't see, I mean, the fact that he already has a Stanley cup is pretty wild to me. Um, before never would have thought he would have had one after he was on Buffalo for so long. Right. Right, man. And the fact that he has one before McDavid is just outrageous. I I did not expect that even when he got traded to Vegas, I still kind of thought that Edmonton was a better team than Vegas. Um, at least on paper. I mean, obviously it didn't work out that way, but Man, I I can't even imagine if he he's one of those guys that I could I could picture um like later in his career like wanting mm-hmm. to come to Boston and and win one here. Obviously. He he told a, a reporter it was like a local news reporter that was talking to him about I think it was during the whole back surgery scandal thing and they were just talking to him about his mentality and getting ready for the next season and she was based in in Massachusetts and she's like. Hey, you know, what about the Bruins? Would you ever want to play for the Bruins? And he was like, I absolutely at some point in my career would like love to see myself wearing a spoke to be. And yeah. that kind of went around. Free agency next. Um, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. I don't think it's for years to come, but it's not anytime soon. But yeah. it's always like one of those pie in the sky things, and it's yeah. it's kind of fun to talk about, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um speaking of you know, dominant centers. Are there any are there any like centers that you could see potentially taking over the one one C role for the Bruins post Bergeron? Um, well, it, was, it was a question I had down. I was you know pretty curious if you had any names in mind that potentially the Bruins could move or could trade for or potentially sign next off season. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I it's funny you mentioned that. I I actually was just reading an article online. Um, I don't know how reputable it is. But it was saying that the Bruins have obviously, and you know this, they've they've made their their calls, they've done their due diligence on Mark Shifley. Um, not their preferred option right now. Apparently, the bees, according to this article, I'd give a reference, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. If I can track it down, I'll post it on Twitter afterwards to cite the author. But um, apparently, the bees are more interested in Elias Lindholm out of Calgary right now. So supposedly. Um, Calgary has reopened talks with Lynn Holm and Lynn Holm's camp is 
open to communicating with them, but they want to have a better idea of what the Flames are going to look like next year before he'd seriously consider an extension right now. So the Bruins have told Winnipeg, allegedly, once again, finger quote, um, that any further discussions on Shifley are tabled until they have a better, clearer idea on what the situation looks like for Elias Lindholm. So the Calgary... Yes. Yeah, so would you rather you would who would you rather? Would you rather Shifley or Lindholm? So I feel like I feel like Shifley's more of like a raw sniper type forward. He doesn't really have that two way game that Boston demands out of its centerman. Um, I mean, Shifley's a forty goal scorer relatively recently. He's got a little bit of a nasty streak, which I like. You saw him absolutely pummel Jake Evans. <laughs> in the bubble <laughs> you know everybody was like oh that's predatory right and dirty but deep down inside i'm an man, old school then, beast and then he I, I love up, it when a hab gets leveled it, man i you know and then he looks up afterwards like he didn't just train wreck this dude and he's like well, what i do <laughs> i was like dude he's in the freaking nosebleeds right now what are you talking like what do you mean what did i do dudes in the prologue to the uh, lion witch in the wardrobe his mind's in narnia um but yeah i mean i think i think shifley he would be a good stopgap he wouldn't be like a long-term resolution to one c he'd be like a couple season type guy until they were able to swing a big deal or or something along those lines you know pierre luc dubois would have been nice but we didn't have anything close in the cupboards to pay what la paid nor honestly would i want the bruins to pay that price i think i think it was an overpay personally i think it kind of like reeks of desperation for la personally yeah i i man i just one once that deal happened a lot of people thought montreal in the way that i looked at it montreal wasn't going to pay another center higher than what they're paying suzuki There, there there just wasn't happening in my opinion there was no way that they were going to pay more than I believe he's on a seven point. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll go back after seven point five ish. Um, and why would they? Why would you know they're in a full rebuild Montreal right now? Why would you spend that kind of money when you have Nick Suzuki standing eight point five on Pierre Luc Dubois? You're right, and I. But so, uh, Suzuki, I believe, is like a million less, maybe. I'm not positive. Yeah. And I just, I just can't see with Gordon Hughes there. Um, obviously they're brilliant guys. Um, you know, they've been instrumental in multiple. Yeah. Um, they know what they're doing, man. And, and they're smart with the cap. They know how to, you know, they know how to work it. They make good moves. They're good at drafting. They weren't going to pay Pierre Luke Dubois more than they're paying Nick Suzuki at this point. If I remember right. Wasn't Gordon in charge of the draft where the Bruins got like Lucic, Kessel, and Marshan? Now that you say that, I'm like 80% sure he was in the interim GM position and was in charge of the drafting decisions. And this is before Shirelli right. took over. That sounds right because they talk about his resume and it's like unbelievable. Between him and Hughes, like um, obviously Gordon was like huge in the Rangers rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. in their drafting, and obviously they've done a, a decent job. I mean, obviously they have a few picks that still has you know it's yet to be seen what they're going to do. Lafreniere and um, they lost Vitaly Kravstov. Um, the, 
the Rangers need to stop bringing in these big name old washed up. I don't want to say Kane and and, and Tarasenko are washed up, but you have these kids that you've drafted with really high pedigrees. You got to put them in a position to succeed. You can't keep them locked on the third line, or you're going to develop them into being third line guys. Yeah, I I mean that's what you're seeing right now from Lafreniere. I mean it's unfortunate, but um, I think he can still play. But what are you going to put Kane and Panarin on? <laughs> like 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 you just said, man. Like you're just not going to do that. You're going to put Lafreniere on that third line. So um, yeah. Well, let's take a look at the time. We're already at 52 minutes. Um, I have a couple things that I want to touch on before we wrap up this inaugural episode. So right off the bat, um, we have a few uh, listener requests that they wanted us to touch on today. Um, Right off the bat, I'm going to talk about a a cause that I think is very important for all Bruins fans to keep in mind. Um, One of my friends from the Bruins Twitter sphere, Shan, I'm sure you're familiar with her. She sent me a message earlier today. And there's a young young man, a young boy from uh, the UK. I believe he's from Ireland, and he's struggling with a um, a bunch of gastrointestinal health issues that have really impacted his quality of life. I guess he's like wheelchair bound in a special wheelchair. Um, but apparently, he's uh, rather fond of Boston itself, and something that he would really like to do is get a trip for him and his family to come out to Boston and see a Boston Bruins game. So right now there's a GoFundMe out there right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share the link on the two pad stack socials. Um, If anybody has the ability to contribute to this GoFundMe to help this young man and his family get out to Boston to catch a bees game or two, um, you know, we just want to go ahead and amplify that voice and and provide that message to those that are listening and see what we can do to help out this um, another fellow Boston Bruins fan. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be coming out tomorrow after we post the the pod link. Um, the other, I have two more. Um, I have a question from Berg, the goalie. And he said, Ace, what in your life made you decide to play net? I already kind of touched on that, but it's um, it was all about my time and in, in, as a soccer goalie and then just casually going into a hockey barn and, and seeing a goalie in net saying, hey, I can do that shit. And yeah. ever since then, dude, I've been a member. I've been a card carrying member of the goaltenders union. I'm always, um, amazed. I'm always amazed by goaltenders, man. Like my, uh, <laughs> my best friend who I played with, you know, played hockey with through high school and stuff. He was a goalie. And I'm just freaking amazed by you guys. Like just, you, you got your different breed for sure. Have pucks freaking flying at your head. Like here's my, here's my cage. Nice dude. It's, uh, it's actually my, uh, english bulldog that i had growing up his name was hudson but yeah that was uh i have a custom painted cage the bulldog's got like foam coming out of its mouth yeah. it's got a gold tooth <laughs> yeah it, it, i love being a goalie i um i still have all my gear you know if the uh if the itch ever gets bad enough i can still go out there play a couple you know beer league games as a, a fill-in goalie but you know i, I think i'm really waiting for in September, I signed my daughter up, my younger daughter, Amelia. Um, she signed up for Tri Hockey Weekend. And uh, so she's going to – I pay like 200-something bucks. They outfit her with a full set of custom-fitted gear. Awesome. And she gets to have three sessions that she's skating on the ice. 
then at the end of the weekend, if she wants to do it, you know, they keep the money. If she doesn't, I give them the gear back and I get my money back. But I'm really, really hoping that she decides to go for it. And yeah. I told her already, I was like, daddy's the only goalie. You're not allowed to be a goalie. It's too expensive for you to be a goalie. <laughs> Man, we'll have, we'll have to, uh, at some point, we'll have to get the boys out for like an open hockey type thing and just dick around out there. And Oh, yeah, dude. It'd be sick. I know um, I used to be a member of the HF Boards crew way back when. I don't know if you ever heard about them. Hockey's Future no. forums uh, for Boston Bruins fans. Still very active community. Take a peek at it if you're ever bored and you want to spend some time online. But we would have a um, HF Boards, you know, pickup skate where we would rent ice. And we ended up renting um, Warrior Ice right, bef- right after yeah. development camp. And uh, – it was so funny. This is the year that Tuka Rask was the only goalie under contract. It was before they went out and signed Yaroslav Halak, I believe, as his backup. So we're all out there. There's like four of us goalies, and these guys are all like in their 50s. I'm like late 20s at that point. And uh, like I said, it was directly after development camp. So uh, if you don't know, Warrior Ice Arena has the offices that are above yep. overlooking the ice surface. So we're going out there for warm-ups, and Cam Neely and Don Sweeney are up there looking down at us. So I skate up to the other goalies, and I, I smack them in the pads. It's like, all right, boys, there's a backup goalie slot open right now. It's our time to shine. And uh, warm-ups are going down, and and five minutes go through of warm-ups, and I look up. The lights are off. They're gone. They didn't like what they <laughs> what they saw out of us old farts. You didn't, uh, uh, you didn't show them the old Vladislav Tretiak uh, in Miracle? I didn't. I couldn't pull it off. I was trying to do as many two pad stacks if I could. That's the name of the pod. But uh, yeah, right. I was trying to do my Tim Thomas battle fly, um, (laughs) but I didn't quite get the uh, get the attention of the Bruins brass. Hey, they don't know. Um, Yeah. So we did also have another inquiry. Um, I really appreciate this one. Um, It meant a lot to me. Uh, Keith Ricci from the Boston Bruins fan relations manager actually popped in and, and asked a question. So he was asking, um, which home game are you most excited for on the schedule? And if you don't know, I'm currently on the season ticket holder waiting list. So I'm going to have season tickets hopefully in the next year or two. Nothing really special. Um, just up in the balcony. I do have an 11 game plan for this year. So um, if you guys are at the garden regularly and you want to meet up, let me know, but I'll be, uh, I'll be going to a bunch of games. I have seats up in section 308, like row 13 or 14. Um, I'm fortunate enough to actually have three of the era night games in my package this year. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Awesome, dude. I've heard rumors that there's going to be a special era night Jersey for those games. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what that looks like. Ones that but, they're selling, ones they're selling, or they're going to auction, auction. They're gonna they're gonna wear like a special third jersey oh, this year that is the Era Night jersey. Or alternatively, I've also heard, and this this is not confirmed or anything, but I've heard that they might have a special Era Night jersey relevant to the era that they're honoring on those games. That's like a direct copy, kind of you know, from what the sweaters looked like. And that wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that, considering how nuts the Habs went with their Centennial, how they had like 12 different jerseys they wore. But um, I'm actually going to be at 
the early years game, which is on October 28th against Detroit. So seeing those really old school sweaters would be really cool if they do that. Um, I'd be going to the lunch pail against the New York Rangers on December 16th. And then finally, the one I'm most excited about, the New Blood, New Beginnings on January 20th against Le Bleu Blanc et Rouge, a Habs game. Yeah. I haven't been to a Habs game in a few years. And I know they don't quite carry the same uh, vitriol that they maybe used to in the past, but I personally, I always get up for a good Bees Habs game. Yeah, you know what? The energy is still there. Um, my fiance and I last year went to the last game with uh, Boston and Montreal. And they, man, those fans still have so much passion. It was still a really good game. Scrums, you know, after the whistle. It, you know, even even if they're not, com- you know, a great team, they still make things competitive. It's still a great rivalry. And it, it, it absolutely hurts my core to say this, but their fan base is phenomenal. They have so much passion for that club. I, I actually haven't been to a game in Montreal, which is weird because it's probably the second closest NHL barn to where I live. Right. But um, I really want to get up there with my brother, with my, my stepdad, catch a game up there. Um, we try to do one away game a year. I've, um, I've been fortunate enough to catch a bees game in a bunch of different barns already. I went down with my older daughter. We went to Florida for game three and four this year. Um, my wife and I caught a game in Tampa earlier this year. Um, we've, me, my, my dad, we saw a game in Vegas, which was a ton of fun watching the bees in Vegas. I ended up putting like a hundred dollars down on the bees in a drunken stupor. And we managed to pull it off even as the underdog. So the bees won and I got a nice payout, which was pretty fucking sweet. You know, and then he had Billy Jaffe had nothing but positive things to say about, uh, about Vegas. He friggin' loved it over there. He was like, man, these fans are, they were passionate. Um, a lot of them were obviously a little banged up, but, um, he said it was, (laughs) (laughs) man, when I was over there as a bees fan, I was pretty banged up. I was in one dude. Like there was a, there's a casino right next to the arena. What a surprise. I know Vegas has a casino, but, um, so you, you know when you go into a mall, you see like those kiosks in the middle yeah. of the aisle. So instead of selling little tchotchkes like you see in like a mall usually, this particular kiosk was selling tall boys. They had like mini fridges all the way around the kiosk and they were like super cheap. It was like two tall boys for six bucks. And if you bought two of them, you got a free nip. And so I ended up getting oh <laughs> two um, Molson Canadian tall boys and a nip of pink whitney no um no advertising on that i just bought that um and my stepdad got his two bud lights and he's like i don't i don't want the nip i was like all right i'll take it it's free i'm gonna take it so we're sitting outside t-mobile arena and we're ripping down these tall boys before we go in because obviously you can't bring in alcohol right and uh I, i drink my tall boys i drink the nips so by the time like midway through the second period comes along I don't even remember the fucking game, dude. Like I was fucked. My stepdad's like, Ace, I had to like make sure you didn't get into a fight with this Vegas fan because you were just shitting all over the nights the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it was a good time, dude. I had a I had a great time in Vegas. I I, I definitely plan on going back. Um, also been to a bees game in Nashville, and if you get an opportunity to go to a bees game yeah. in Nashville, what a great time! I mean, I know you probably heard it from, you know, during All Star or no, sorry, during the draft this year. You know, all the big media personalities were out there. Um, we ended up being there completely unintentionally while NASCAR was having an event there. And I shit you not, we're sitting on the rooftop bar at Tootsie's, which everybody talks about Tootsie's great bar. Live music's fantastic. Yeah. But we're sitting up there and then all of a sudden we see like a massive crowd of people just go into Broadway, which is the road where or the street where all the, the, the bars are and the live music is. And we're like, what the hell is going on here? And then all of a sudden we start to hear engines and I shit you not, these NASCAR cars were doing burnouts and donuts in the middle of Broadway while we're up there drinking just, and my, my stepdad's a huge NASCAR fan. So he's like a kid in a fucking candy shop. He's like, let's go down there and look at it. I was like, I just want to sit up here and and drink my beer, please. But like we ended up going down there and seeing, it's just so weird to see NASCARs in the middle of like a public street. It was definitely pretty odd. Is Tootsie's your, uh, your go-to in Nashville? Is that your number one? Honestly, dude, when I'm in Nashville, I go to like every bar. I go there, get like two drinks, and then go to the next place. So um, I feel like Tootsie's is kind of like the almost like the the obvious answer. Everyone and their mother goes there, so there's probably right. better options. But I can't not go to Tootsie's when I'm in Nashville. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a big Aldine's guy. I don't know. Okay. I, love the, I love the you know the three level, just unbelievable. I always, I always find myself just kind of planting my app there and just not moving. Then I stand up and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's when you hope that you don't fall over, right? Yeah. <laughs> or hope I do fall over. Yeah. <laughs> um, last barn that I've been to that I was really impressed with was actually Edmonton. I was at their new arena. I went there for work, and the company I was working for actually had um, second row seats in the lower bowl. And that was a game, I want to say, about three years ago. And it was um, a pretty depleted Bruins lineup, actually. Um, McDavid was out, too, for the Oilers. So I didn't get to see McDavid play, which kind of sucked. But Dreisaitl was there, and he was definitely driving the bus for the Oilers. It went to overtime, and Pasta got sprung on a breakaway, and he buried it in OT. So I was, like, on TV because I was two rows from the ice, and I'm standing (laughs) up, like, turning around, looking at all the Oilers fans, pissing them all off. My boss was not stoked because obviously he's a, he's an Oilers guy and so are his sons. So, but that was a really great time. Have you ever seen McDavid live? I haven't yet. I really hope it's TV. Doesn't do this dude justice. Honestly, his speed. It just, it's a different level when you're watching live. Um, I was talking to my dad about it and he was talking about some of the best players that he's ever seen. And he brought up Paul Correa when he was playing with Monty at, uh, at Maine. Yep. And him and I went to, you know, it was a Bruins Oilers game at home and he saw McDavid and he goes, Oh yeah, it's not close. He, you know, he was going back to that Korea game, you know, that he went to and he goes, Oh yeah, it's not close. Like the speed that McDavid has it, the TV doesn't even do justice for that dude. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the big thing, right? I mean, you and I, we are big hockey fans, and we try to watch every game on TV, right? But when you go to a game in person, 
it really gives you a better appreciation to the absolute excellence that even like even like the Tomas Noshiks and and the uh, Sean Corrales of the world even yeah. have like these guys have so much skill and it is just absolutely a treat to watch them play. Oh, yeah. So if you are a Bruins fan and you haven't had a chance to catch a game um, in person, I I recommend it. Do whatever you can to get there in the garden. The the I I wouldn't even say like the atmosphere is as electric as some other barns, but just being able to see an NHL game live and in person. It's an experience that you won't regret. Yeah. No matter what you how much money you drop on it. Right. All right. Well, um, I've got through all my topics that I wanted to touch on today. Is there any closing thoughts you have for this inaugural episode of the Two Pad Stack podcast, Chris? No, man. I won honestly, I just wanted to thank you for uh for having me on. You know, this was such a treat. Obviously, you know, we've been in contact the past week or so. Um, just you know, I was super amped about it and I was happy that I was actually able to get on today. Um, kind of made it a point to get rid of the kids and stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. And I got to shout out my wife for watching the kids and getting them in bed tonight so I could record. So, shout out Mrs. Ace. Um, and Chris, obviously, you as well. Definitely appreciate you taking the time. I know you're stretched pretty thin with your new gigs and your pods. So, um, you know, Two Pad Stack appreciates your effort here tonight. And uh, to everyone listening, Thank you for tuning into our first ever episode. Hope to have a lot more of these coming to you. We're going to try to record on Monday nights, have these episodes released on Tuesdays. So keep an eye out. We'll have some new and interesting news to share probably within, uh, you know, the next few weeks or so. Hopefully there's some new bees stuff that drops too. So we'll have some new things to talk about. And uh, until then, uh, we're going to sign off. Thanks so much. Bye guys. Thanks guys.